The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 131 of the Book of Mormon podcast. It's Kevin and Shelby here. Hey y'all. Getting out of the way, I had my wisdom teeth removed earlier this week, and so there's a little bit of swelling, so if if I'm a little bit more slurry than usual, um, that's what's going on with my voice. The podcast must go on. That's right. So we're here, and we're excited. Actually, very excited for this episode. Um, I think last week, well, I know last week, Shelby, you mentioned that you've always kind of had some trouble uh, teaching from Alma 42. Mm -hmm. And... um, I started to look at the chapter differently after you said that. And I thought, wow, this is kind of, this is going to be a hard one to have a podcast about. And because there's, you know, there's no narrative, it's all a doctrine. I think that's why the it's, there's just a lot in there. It's very simple, but it can also be very complex if you break it down. And that's why I think I always had a hard time because I'm like, wow, this is packed with lots and lots and lots of truth about us and our purpose here. So it's a lot to teach. And, uh, sorry, it can feel like a lot to teach. mm -hmm. We don't boast of ourselves. We boast of our God. That being said, I think we prepared really well for this podcast. I have to give all the credit to Kevin because he had the idea for how to outline the chapter and discuss the doctrine though. So, And I have to give all credit to the Holy Ghost because it was his idea on how to outline the podcast and and go from there. So there you go. um, We are in Alma 42, of course, and we're going to cover the whole chapter today. And yeah, we're doing it a little bit differently because we're going to we're going to use a lot of quotes. So there's going to be a lot of reading. um, But we are also going to be discussing those mm-hmm. quotes and we're just going to get, we're just going to dig real deep. We're going to dive right in. Yep. We're excited. So should we start with uh, president James E. Faust quote? Yes. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, it is a little bit lengthy as Kevin said, they're a little bit longer, but we're going to read it anyway. So here we go. Our salvation depends on believing in and, is, and accepting the atonement. Such acceptance requires a continual effort to understand it more fully. The atonement advances our mortal course of learning by making it possible for our natures to become perfect. Any increase in our understanding of his atoning sacrifice draws us closer to him. Literally, the atonement atonement means to be at one with him. The nature of the atonement and its effects is so infinite, so unfathomable, and so profound that it lies beyond the knowledge and comprehension of mortal man. We long for the ultimate blessing of the atonement, to become one with him, 
to be in his divine presence, to be called individually by name, as he warmly welcomes us home with a radiant smile, beckoning us with open arms to be enfolded in his boundless love. How gloriously sublime this experience will be if we can feel worthy enough to be in his presence. The free gift of his great atoning sacrifice for each of us is the only way we can be exalted enough to stand before him and see him face to face. The overwhelming message of the atonement is the perfect love the Savior has for each and all of us. It is a love which is full of mercy, patience, grace, equity, long-suffering, and above all, forgiving. So what a what a beautiful quote. And, you know, I, the reason that I felt that it was so important to start the podcast off with that quote is because as we'll we'll get through this chapter today, we put ourselves in Corianton's shoes as a as a young man who's made some mistakes and he has some concerns about the judgment. You know, never forget that the the Savior he freely gives that gift of the atonement. Um, and Heavenly Father loves us so much that he, he wrote that into his plan for us. And so when things get tough, uh, never feel alone, never feel like you've been dealt that, you know, that bad hand. Um, so going to the scriptures here in Alma 42, verse 1, Alma, he says, I perceive there's somewhat more which doth worry your mind, which you cannot understand, which is concerning the justice of God and the punishment of the sinner. For ye do try to suppose that it is injustice that the sinner should be consigned to a state of misery. So, yeah, you know, as we struggle with repentance and facing judgment from God, we have to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And when I when I remembered that that verse of scripture my my I got caught on the world on the world. Mm-hmm. You had really really good insights to what the world meant. So God so loved the world and remember that the world is described as uh, as Babylon, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the sinner. It's the wicked. Um, the worldly things. God loves the world, so he gave his only son in order to balance and meet the, the law of justice with mercy. And that's, that's everything, really, that we're going to be talking about today. And that's what, uh, of course, that's what Alma is, is sharing with his son. So Alma shares through the example of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, as we know, were the first man and woman that were on the earth that God created. And he teaches how it could have seemed unfair, right, for Adam and Eve. Um, Because we know that Adam and Eve were the first in the garden. And they partake of the fruit, which 
would have had them be consigned to that state that Corianton is talking about, like this endless state of misery. However, God didn't set us up to fail, (laughs) right? He didn't say that's it. And so that time became a time for Adam and Eve to repent, not to be consigned to that state that Corianton's worried about. It now has turned into this time of repentance. Yeah. Which I think verse five uh, talks on that, if I could share it. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. For behold, if Adam had put forth his hand immediately and partaken of the tree of life, he would have lived forever according to the word of God, having no space for repentance. Yea, and also the word of God would have been void and the great plan of salvation would have been frustrated. But behold, it was appointed unto man to die. So this shows that had Adam and Eve, there were there were different trees in the, in the garden, right? <laughs> but if he would have partaken of one and just lived forever, the, the, the great plan would have been frustrated. It was meant for us to have a time to repent. Right. It was part of the divine design. So, and, and remember, you know, and it said here that, that God, he put, um, he placed cherubim and the flaming sword or, you know, parameters mm-hmm. that restricted Adam and Eve from partaking of that, that fruit, which would have extended their life indefinitely and they would have lived in sin. Right. Instead, it was part of the plan to give them an allotted time on earth, a probationary state and a time to repent, then die so that they could be reunited with their bodies at a later time through the resurrection. Which we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. So you can go back and listen to episode 130. Next, we have a quote from Elder L. Tom Perry. Um, uh, A man that I dearly miss in every general conference. He says, the main purpose of earth life is to allow our spirits, which existed before the world was, to be united with our bodies for a time of great opportunity and mortality. The association of the two together has given us the privilege of growing and developing and maturing as only we can with spirit and body united. With our bodies, we pass through a certain amount of trial in what is termed a probationary state of our existence. This is a time of learning and testing to prove ourselves worthy of eternal opportunities is all part of a divine plan our father has for his children. So, and, and I, and I want to just remember that the only time that we'll progress as much as when we have eternal increase in the celestial kingdom is here on earth. Mm-hmm. We couldn't progress at this rate in the spirit world, and we can't progress at this rate in uh, spirit paradise or spirit prison. This is really the time to be tried and and really kind of get after it because this is where it matters most. And one of the only ways that we can grow, there are multiple ways we can grow, but 
one particular way is having trials Mm -hmm. and experiencing opposition. There, I mean, the joy that we have of Adeline in our lives and hopefully, you know, other future children to come, that joy was so much sweeter because of the experience we went through to have her, right? And so that is meant to help us grow. And I think also another purpose is to help us understand and relate to others. So our experiences, our trials, we can have that empathy and that compassion, just like Christ knows exactly what we went through. We can then relate those same feelings that we had to somebody else. Like we know it, we know what you went through too. We understand. And furthermore, we need to know and learn here that wickedness never was happiness. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. We need to see the bitter so that we can learn to appreciate the good and then seek after the good things and learn to love the Lord and what he loves so that we can be united with him. Mm-hmm. So back to the scriptures, we're going to move to verse 11. And this is Alma again. He says, now, remember, my son, if it were not for the plan of redemption, laying it aside, as soon as they, Adam and Eve, but also you and I, right. as soon as they were dead, their souls were miserable being cut off from the presence of the Lord. And now there was no means to reclaim men from this fallen state, which man had brought upon himself because of his own disobedience. Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state, yea, this preparatory life, uh, preparatory state, for except it were for these conditions, mercy could not take effect, except it should destroy the work of justice. Now the work of justice could not be destroyed. If so, God would cease to be God. Now, this is exactly Corianton's concern, right? Mm-hmm. That's 100% his concern. Back in verse one. Mm -hmm. It's that this is an injustice that the sinner should be consigned to a state of misery, right? However, in verse 14, and thus we see that all mankind were fallen and they were in the grasp of justice, yea, the justice of God, which consigned them forever to be cut off from his presence. And that's like, I, he's, he's thinking, what the heck? Right. So, uh, sorry, I'm scrolling in verse 15. And now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God and a merciful God also. So let's go read before we give our thoughts, our personal thoughts on this. I think we should read President Packer's quote first, and then we can share our thoughts because I do have some thoughts about this because hint, this is the part that was always hard for me to teach Mm -hmm. was mercy and justice. The more and more I study it in my life, the more I'm able to understand it and hopefully teach it better. But let's listen to President, or let me read (laughs) President Packers. We don't actually have the quote of him. That would be cool, but we will read it. So President Packard 
explained that the Savior's sacrifice allows mercy to be extended to us without violating the law of justice. Okay, now this is long, but it will make sense. Each of us lives on a kind of spiritual credit. One day the account will be closed, a settlement demanded. However, casually we may view it now, when the day comes and the foreclosure is imminent. We will look around in restless agony for someone, anyone, to help us. And by eternal law, mercy cannot be extended, save there be one who is both willing and able to assume our debt and pay the price and arrange the terms for our redemption. Unless there is a mediator, unless we have a friend, the full weight of justice, untempered, unsympathetic, must positively fall on us. The full recompense for every transgression, however minor or however deep, will be exacted from us to the uttermost farthing. But know this, truth, glorious truth, proclaims there is such a mediator. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Through him, mercy can be fully extended to each of us without offending the eternal law of justice. The truth is the very root of Christian doctrine, or this truth is the very root of Christian doctrine. The extension of mercy will not be automatic. It will be through covenant with him. It will be on his terms, his generous terms, which include as an absolute essential baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. All mankind can be protected by the law of justice and at one and at once, each of us individually may be extended the redeeming and healing blessing of mercy. So, justice, it just exists. The law of justice is there. It's always been there. And to Cory, sorry, go ahead. No, no, continue. And to Cory Anton's concerns, he doesn't understand like okay well then that sucks what that's what the heck and so here alma is saying but wait we have a way that we can overcome and not be consigned to that justice we can have mercy applied to us through our savior jesus christ and because of his sacrifice he can be that mediator that can step in when we have to pay the price for what we did and say and advocate to our heavenly father who is god and say we you know i know that shelby stole a candy bar i know she did but she repented through me and so because of that i can be her mediator and pay that price i've already paid it so let her enter and then i can enter because of him Hmm. he's the only way i can if i may I feel that Corianton, he really, he really understands justice. Oh, 100% does. Because <laughs> that's where his concern lies. He's, he's very concerned about that. It's mercy that he l- has less understanding about. He has less understanding about the atonement and how really under, as, as President Faust said at the beginning, coming to understand more fully the atonement and, you know, how to access it, how to apply it helps us draw closer to Christ so that he can be that mediator. And, you know, 
Corey Enton, he didn't steal a candy bar. <laughs> he, he, you know, without uh, being, without elaborating too much or, or taking too much of a, a liberty, he f- forsook the cloth and he chased after some girl. And he, I mean, he basically quit his mission, right? And yet everyone came back to Zarahemla, you know, being extolled for all that they did. And he, you know, he was not. He, he kind of returned in dishonor. So understanding justice and then not mercy can, can really cause us some despair. It can seem hopeless. Yeah. And I think it also can cause us to kind of begrudgingly, you know, question God. Like, why, why did you let this thing happen to me? Why didn't you, why, why did you send us here just to fail? Right. That's what we've been, that's the thread we've been pulling all, all this while. So if I can share, I've just been thinking a lot about how much this chapter really, really relates to a lot of the the things we have going on in our world today. And the one thing that I take hope and comfort in when things don't seem fair or, and I, I, I just, you guys know, but I think, I think aborting children is wrong. I, I, I believe that there are certain extents where it can be acceptable, but for the most part, this is a thing that plagues our country and it's a big divisive or not divisive. Um, it divides us, right? Like it can divide us if we let it. And I don't want to make this political, but for me, all the abortions that are committed, it breaks my heart, especially now that I have a baby girl. Sorry. It makes me cry. But I know that through, through Christ, all of those abortions that I believe are wrong and that I know that he believes are not, right either will be made right eventually they can't be made right right now but they will be and it's only through him and so you can take hope in that whatever it is that you're struggling with that doesn't seem like can be fixed right now on earth will be fixed eventually i didn't plan on crying (laughs) sorry for my ugly crying voice Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ working unitedly as our Father, our loving Heavenly Father, and our Savior. They ensure that the justice and mercy is done perfectly, is administered perfectly. And Elder Neil A. Maxwell, he said, the justice and mercy of God will have been so demonstrably perfect that at the final judgment, there will be no complaints, including from those who once questioned what God had allotted or allowed in the moral framework. You know, Shelby, just as you have such strong feelings on the matter of abortion, there are those who have equally strong feelings on on whatever uh, whatever trial whatever 
injustice is going on in the world, uh, which affects them. And it, you know, it affects you now more, I think, because you are a mother, you see Addie girl every day <laughs> and you, and I, just like I do, I think about what life would be without her um, for any reason. Right. And it's just, it's, I don't even know, like, what would our lives be without her? So any thought of a child being absent from the world is tragic to us. So, um, we want to go back to the scriptures now. We're going to jump down to verse 22. Um, I can read it. Yeah, and I want to make sure that we... So, it, really, what what President Packer and Elder Maxwell really discussed, it, it spans 22 through 26, but I think we were just going to read 22 and 23. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With with the law of justice and mercy. Uh, this is just where it is found in the scriptures. And so we wanted to read it. Sorry, guys. I'm still over here. Are you sure you don't want me to read? No, I can do it. But there is a law given and a punishment affixed and a repentance granted, which repentance mercy claimeth. Otherwise, justice claimeth the creature and executeth the law, and the law inflicteth the punishment. If not so, the works of justice would be destroyed, and God would cease to be God. But God ceaseth not to be God, and mercy claimeth the penitent, and mercy cometh because of the atonement, and the atonement bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead, and the resurrection of the dead bringeth back men into the presence of God, and thus they are restored into his presence to be judged according to their works, according to the law and justice. In verse 24, for behold, justice, justice exerciseth, I can't speak. It's okay. Justice exerciseth all his demands, and also mercy claimeth all which is her own. And thus, none but the truly penitent are saved. And the way that we show that we are penitent is when we make and keep covenants. You know, I've, I've been really learning more lately, more, and, and it's, it's surprising because I don't, there's, there's not been, I haven't necessarily studied baptism. I haven't, no one I know has been baptized, um, you know, to make me think about it, but I've been thinking about baptism as this covenant and how, you know what it is? It's probably from uh, President Nelson's address to the, the young adults of the church where he talked about identifiers, our personal identifiers. And what we should identify ourselves as first is children of God and then children of the covenant. Yeah. We are, we are literally the spirit sons and daughters of Heavenly Father. We are the children of Christ because we have covenanted with him. And so as we 
as we access his atoning uh, sacrifice and take upon us his name, we, we enjoy a relationship with him, which ensures that he stands beside us in every trial. And that, that even extends to that final judgment when the seemingly insurmountable uh, evidence is, is brought forth to show that the sinner was so, he, he or she so poorly performed in this probationary state. And what's even worse is that we, from what we learn in the scriptures and what Elder Maxwell says, we won't be able to complain. We'll have to accept that judgment. Well, I think we won't want to complain because it will be so perfect. Well, that's, but, well, yes, we'll, we'll have no grounds to, to refute the judgment that mm-hmm. we're given. And then Christ stands beside us as the mediator to extend mercy. So this is really answering Corianton's concern. I, I hope that we can see how Alma is teaching the doctrine to his son about justice and explaining it. And so if we jump to verses 27 and 28, it says, Therefore, O my son, whosoever will come, which I would say I'm inserting in my own words here is repenting, whosoever will come, may, per- may come and partake of the waters of life freely. And whosoever will not come, the same is not compelled to come. So in other words, he ain't going to make them come. They can choose. But it says, in the last day, it shall be restored unto him according to his deeds. If he had desired to do evil and has not repented in the days, in his days, behold, evil shall be done unto him according to the restoration of God. So in other words, he's saying, if that person who, you know, quote unquote, is consigned, does not come, I'm not going to make him come and repent, but he will be restored into his actions in the restoration of all things, which we know is the resurrection and the judgment and everything we talked about last week. So if I can, I'm going to read President Hinckley's quote, and it says, then with the resurrection, that first Easter morn came the triumphal declaration of immortality. Well, was Paul able to declare, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. He not only granted the blessing of the resurrection to all, but opened the way to eternal life to those who observe his teaching and commandments. So as Kevin stated earlier, when we make and keep covenants and we enter into that and repent, we can triumphantly stand in the morning of that first resurrection knowing that we've done all we can to repent and and come into God's presence and those who do not choose that there is a place for them it's not this uh I mean there's a few select few that we talked about last week that will go to outer darkness but the rest were consigned to that state that matches the works of what we did while we were here on earth so um a few things in in closing 
that Alma says to his son. He says, I desire that you should let these things trouble you no more and only let your sins trouble you with that trouble, which shall bring you down unto repentance. That's interesting because he's not saying, hey, get down on yourself and and consider yourself worthless (laughs) because of your sins. He's saying, let your sins trouble you in as much as it helps you repent because you'll feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Right. Godly sorrow. Right. Yeah. And um, the the reason that that's so important, it, it reminds me of our our friend Tana's uh, or Tawny, her, her uh, statement of, you know, remembering is only useful in as much as it helps you change. Remembering our sins, which uh, it's often said. The Lord has promised that when we repent, he will not remember our sins. But there's nothing that says we cannot remember or we won't remember our sins. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that's both expedient and instructive for us because we need to learn from our mistakes. Just as much as we need to learn from the mistakes of others, which shall be you and I, we, we talked about that last week. We in verse uh, chapters forty and forty one, there was some. Hey, look at look at the Zoramites. Look at these people. Oh, I, I believe actually it was in the it was with Shiblon, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it was two ago. But those mistakes and those trials and those things, they they are the things that help us grow mm-hmm. and overcome. Right. So if we can let, like, if Corianton can let the mistakes of, you know, going off with a girl, <laughs> if he can let that soak in and, and realize, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be better because of this. I'm going to, you know, I'm not necessarily, I think it will always be in the back of his mind, uh, but he can learn from that. And, and the next time that something comes up, he can be stronger because of it and he can help others who may be struggling with the same thing. And so did you have more to say, Kevin? No, not, not at the moment. I was going to jump to verse 31. Okay, then I do have something to say. Okay, (laughs) I have something to say there. So each of Alma's sons have received a charge. Helaman is charged with keeping the record and some spiritual admonitions, you know, encouragements to keep the faith. Shiblon, he is charged to continue to teach the word unto the people and and remain serious about it. You know, kind of uh, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And Corianton, he's charged similarly. He says that you're called to preach the word unto this people. Go thy way, declare the word with truth and soberness. So similar to Shiblon, that thou mayest bring souls into repentance, that the great plan of mercy may have claim upon them. So now you understand, Corianton, how justice and mercy work together. You understand the plan more perfectly. Um, You're not... You're not uh, weighed down with 
the effects of justice because you know how mercy can intervene because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And he says, and may, may God grant unto you, even according to my words, amen. I just wanted to tie all those charges that Alma gave his sons together. I think that's beautiful because I think also, if I'm not mistaken, when we first started learning about Corianton, he says to look up to his older brothers. And so, you know, as Corianton repents and becomes understands how mercy can come upon him, uh, he then can look to his older brothers and what are the charges they're left to, you know, keeping the record and he can contribute to that. He can help invite others coming to Christ. So it makes sense that, you know, once you, you get yourself, I guess, squared away, um, understood, right. You can then look to your brothers and, and they'll give you the direction to, to continue, which is really just, God giving you that direction. But once again, don't worry about the justice. Just repent, have the mercy extended to you so you can teach others about that mercy too. Because I think a lot of people are hung up on the justice and where is the justice going to come or not where's, or how is it all going to be met out, right? How are we going to make it fair? And you know, the truth is it's not all going to be fair right now in this world, but it will be because of the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. We're going to be back with you next week. Are we doing two chapters next week or just one? So I don't know exactly what we're going to do because we're going to have a, we're going to have some guests. Yeah, we are. And so with guests, you never know exactly how far we're going to get because we might get caught in the the details we might talk about certain things but alma 43 i i think we're gonna we're gonna cover over a two-week period i think it's gonna be a part one part two situation which is okay with me um, oh i'm so excited for this i just looked at one of my notes i'm excited <laughs> okay well, because it was something that we learned about a couple weeks back mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, I got to save it for when we get to 43, because this is when, just a preview, the Lamanites are coming against the Nephites in war, and they've partnered up mm -hmm. together, and they're coming, the, the Lamanites and the Zoramites. Mm -hmm. So I learned something that I'm excited to share in this next week's chapter. Awesome. So yeah. Can't wait. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week with some guests. Bye, y'all. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.